You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stardom Road here on the Count Out Network. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me is none other than my good friend and my co-host, as always, Trent Brewer. Trent, how are we on this fine evening? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. You know, you, when you were talking, like, I always like to come up with something interesting to say at this point. But because we've been doing, we're doing this by uh, fortnightly and we've been doing it for a bit, I feel like the kind of things I would normally say in like an occasional podcast appearance, I've already used. So I'm running out of material. So all I can say is good and then use material talking about how I have no material. I mean, hey, you, you could have had something in the chamber there, you know. I think we have enough jokes with them one another that you could have probably like ripped me a new one. But it's I'm firing blanks today. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, but this is another important episode. Of course, this is the third and final edition of our Hanukkah Mora series. Uh, this this will be talking about uh, some of her biggest and most important matches. Uh, we are talking three from three stages of her career really, or three important ones um, highlighting important moments in her career as well. Mm. Um, thank you, everyone, that has listened so far to this series. Um, I, I know, I from what I've been told, this is our most watched episodes, and that doesn't come as a shock to either me or Trent, but it does mean a lot, and uh, it means we're doing the right thing, because that's why we're doing these episodes, because I think everyone should know about the greatness of Hanakamura and all that she stood for. Yeah, look, it's always a little bit difficult when it comes around to Hanakamura season, I guess. Um, but there is so much still to talk about. And whether it's someone coming to Hana for the first time or people who were there from the beginning or anywhere in between, you know, it's a good chance to relive the good things, the, the happy memories and the exciting matches and who she was as a person and a wrestler. So even if we're just doing that once a year, like it's still something special. Yeah. And, um, killing me but allergies it's allergies it's hanukkah season and allergy season uh yeah that's it blame blame the crying on the allergies exactly it's a, it, it works out for me yeah. um, i was chopping onions while watching these matches but but the fun of today's episode is we will be talking about like i said the matches and then we will talk about uh the pinks show of course mm-hmm. that happened last week uh this time if you're listening if you're listening many months in the future then Happened a week ago in in the time we're recording. Welcome uh, to but, our timeline. Yeah, but we talked about the other memorial shows on the last episode, so I wanted to make sure we hit that one here on this show. And then we'll close out the show talking about the legacy of Hanukkah So let's get into it with a little bit of five-star Grand Prix action. 2017, it was... Kagetsu versus Hanakamura. I think many will agree this, if not Hana's best match, one of the best matches in Stardom's history, at the very least. Um, it is an important one for her growth as a professional wrestler. It is on Stardom World for those who may want to check it out if they haven't. I'm sure a lot of people have, but if you're a new fan, perhaps maybe you haven't had the chance to go back. Um, between this one and probably the match with Julia is the conversation for best Hanukkah matches. Um, and 
yeah, this is definitely worth going out of the way for because there's a story to it that you very quickly can learn as long as you watch the pre-match promo, uh, which is sets up the whole thing. And by the end of the match, you walk away saying that was absolutely worth it. Um, I know this is a big match of your fandom. Obviously, you didn't even have to rewatch it. Um, so I'll let you talk a little bit about it. The beautiful thing about this, and you did sort of mention it there to an extent, with professional wrestling, when you're coming into a match that has a lot of story to it, a lot of backstory, a lot of things surrounding it, you can come in a little bit kind of blind and not pick up everything. Um, but they do a great job of establishing everything you need to know. The connection between Kigeto and Hanukomura, the positioning of both of them in terms of the five-star Grand Prix, uh, the way the match itself unfolds and the aftermath of it, and then, of course, the addition of a new member to the Oedo-type team that comes through, all in the space of this one match. So, yes, it's a match, and yes, it's a great Hanukomura match, but more than that, it's just a great, like, 30 minutes of stardom history just compiled into this one moment, which gives you everything you need to know about the promotion, the character work, the story development, the twists and turns, and the wrestling as well. And I think that's partly what makes this match so memorable is it's not just a wrestling match. It's a wrestling experience. It's kind of like a, an entire show of you know WWE Raw or AEW Dynamite just packed into this one little uh, self-contained thing. You get all the story you need, you get all the twists and turns you need, and you get the emotional highs, emotional lows, and kind of like a feel-good ending at the end. Even though, like, the story being centred around Hanukkah and her quest to winning the five-star Grand Prix, that doesn't happen. Like, she loses this match. Um, but it's still, the story it tells leaves you on such a high and just like a happy feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think that's... And I think this match in a lot of ways does, you know, kind of embody the relationship these two had, of course, going in as tag team champions mm. and, you know, the whole, the whole premise going into it is, oh, this is going to last 10 seconds. We'll get out of here. It was yeah. the main event of the night. They uh, hang yeah. out in the same side of the ring holding hands. Yep. They yep. get introduced <laughs> together. Like they're playing this up in such a campy way. Mm -hmm. Like it's so you kind of are expecting, even if you don't look at how long this uh this clip goes for on Stardom yeah. World, you, which kind of gives away that you're not getting a 10 second match. But you are like you're watching it going, hmm, yeah, this is this feels like our tie tactics coming in here. It it really did, and and I love you know, them doing the entrances together, standing on the same side of the ring together. It's just Annoying like Dachi together. Like this is one of those matches if you watch live, you'd be like, I mean, they're not gonna, right? But you're just like you would have so much fun watching a match like this live. And you have so much fun going back and watching it as is anyways, even if you see that the clip's twenty eight minutes, not about five minutes. Um <laughs> And really, once the match gets started, and you know Kagetsu lays in the middle of the ring, it's on. When when Kagetsu kicks out, it's like, oh, here we go. And, and the crowd are playing along too. Oh and yeah, the, like if the crowd didn't play along, it'd still be good. But they, especially stardom around this time, I feel perhaps more than any other period, the crowd kind of knows that even if someone's popular, and like oh, when I tied this period, they were the most popular people in the company as far as I'm concerned, but they were heels. So, like, it's very easy in that situation for the heels to just get cheered and just be the uber-popular people. 
but the the crowd kind of knows when to cheer for them, but then to kind of react shocked and play along with the heelish tactics and stuff. And that's something that I love about, I guess, if you're calling this post kayfabe wrestling era, where the fans are in on it, but then it becomes a pantomime where the fans are in on it and participating in the story that it's trying to tell. Now, this match, I think it's it's not a you know work ready type no. match it's a wonderful story told of almost challenging hana to get to that next level i mean mm. at the time here she's still so fresh into wrestling anyways right but watching it and i watched it like right before we start recording this so very fresh in my brain but watching it you just saw her gain more and more confidence even after like being you know bewildered that mm, mm. Kagetsu lied to her earlier in the match and I think that was like the most fun part and and this is something that I'll talk about with all the other matches that we talk about but there was no one at bringing like the instant intensity to matches like once it, as it kept going and going and and you know they're throwing each other through the chairs in the crowd which is one of my favorite things ever and i love it and anytime they do it in stardom today now which they're starting they're starting to do it a lot more of yeah, now that it's got the pandemic restrictions yeah. lifted i think they've kind of got the card of lunch to go back to that especially yeah. tie. and it's just like such a nice little like love note to the old oedo tie that you just mm. love every time but it felt like every time that hana got put down by kagetsu she got back up stronger yeah. and stronger and stronger and until you know, she had no more in the end, obviously, but that's the beauty of Kigetsu. I could watch Kigetsu wrestle 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because what the creativity in the matches and what, you know, Kigetsu is work ready if you really want that side, but such a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. Such a great storyteller because this match, you get comedic moments, obviously, right? With you know, Chris Wolf getting the ring trying to protect Kigetsu and Hana, you know, drop kicks Chris Wolf into both uh into Kigetsu's hanging upside down, or when Kigetsu looks at the camera after drinking the water and like gives a little <laughs> wink, like, hey, you're in this with us, and ends up uh spraying Daichi instead because Hana knew to duck. Like it's those little moments that made could get to that much better yeah and it's it, it was a credit to hana for being that great already too in this match to match that in a lot of ways it was it was a two-person fight for a reason yeah, look, Kagetsu at this point in time is pretty much, if not at the top of her game, she's, you know, within reach of that peak. And you see a lot of signs of the ultimate peak of her through this match, where you're talking about Kagetsu trying to bring out the best in Hanakamura. That was the story arc, not only of this match, like up, even including the end when she's on the microphone saying, the reason I didn't let you win is because I want you to earn this i want you to get to that point where you can be this good um, and kind of pushing her to get better that was the entire story of her red belt run you know the whole time people would come and challenge her step up to her fall short and kagetsu wouldn't necessarily gloat about it she'd just say to him get good get back here beat me you know the whole idea was she wanted to find someone who was ready to take 
take the reins in stardom, which was eventually Maya Watani. But yeah, the moment she you know lost the belt and then when she challenged for Maya against Maya and eventually lost, she knew stardom was in safe hands with Maya, so she could retire. And you know, you see the points here where like it feels like she's trying to make sure Hunter's at that level where, you know, if she needed to retire, because remember, like, she did try and retire around this time already once before, that Oeno Tai was in safe hands with, you know, a wunderkin, someone who had all that potential. And the match is all about drawing that out of Hana Kimura. We know she's good. And at this point in time, this is by far one of her best matches in her career because she's being pushed to show just how far she's come along since her debut. And you get that through the intensity, you get that through the expression, and you get that through the match itself. Yes, it's not a five-star technical classic, but between the action in the ring and the storytelling, they really nail everything about as well as they possibly could, given especially Hannah's point in her career. Now, one thing that I think to me stands out is really the end and it's the kick out at one and the fire up and Kagetsu just puts her puts takes her out <laughs> and once or fall like all right that's enough and it, it's so perfect because it's it's you have that belief that oh maybe this is enough right you and we see it in a lot of matches today in star where they get that energy burst at the end and sometimes mm. a lot of the time it can lead to them winning then kagetsu is not having any of it and they play you know, that off really well because yes then it happens enough times for them to win but it happens just as much when they lose so when you see that kick out of one that kind of hulk hogan fire up you don't know whether it's like that last gas before they eventually get put down or whether they're you know striving through making that big comeback which makes it extra exciting and i want to i want to quote uh this article by uh james carlin who wrote about this match on his sub stack um there's something about uh, amazing about watching this match these two hold a very special chemistry that few others in the ring have together this was their first singles encounter starting with a clear sign of things to come as the two would wrestle each other once again in the distant future Hana gets onto the mic admitting that she believed that her best friend will lay down for her her naiveness costing her match gets who reassures her that he would have never done that even for her reminding Hana that she's only 20 years old and that when she's finally able to overcome him, it will be a very big moment. Um, Kigetsu and I quote said, when you beat me, it will mean something. And I think that's really the beauty of this match mm -hmm. um, in the end is that that feeling of truth, obviously, because, you know, Kigetsu would go on to have, you know, such an important reign as World of Stardom champion when Stardom desperately needed Kigetsu to do so. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, it, it's both painful to think about, too, because at just 20 years old and obviously um, within the next two years, she would sadly be gone a month, about two years and a month after this. But I could watch this match again and again and again, and it never will get old because I think you just notice certain things, too, the more you watch it. You notice mm -hmm. the creativity you notice the slyness of kagetsu the the growing confidence of hana and it makes the match so great even if it's not to like and 
to the levels of what we see today in some matches, right? Because, you know, you can watch pretty much any stardom pay-per-view and you're going to get a fantastic match. Mm. But none, not all of them will encompass or embody the incredible story that was told here. And that's just wrestling. That's not just yeah. a stardom thing. That's just wrestling. And that's something like uh, you, you do miss if you're not careful about stardom. I think we're arguably better at these kind of self-contained story arcs pre-Bushi Road in a lot of ways um, because I feel like now they are relying too much on you know the big title matches and like years and years of history, which for people like us, that's fine because like we're psychos, we invest in that kind of thing. But if you're not watching inside and outside, you're not following the history, it, you don't necessarily pick any, everything up. A match like this, you could show someone who's never seen Kagetsu, never seen Hanakamura, never watched Stardom. You could show them this match and they can pick up everything they need to know within the space of 30 minutes. Who they are as characters, what their relationship is to each other, what their relation is to the wider tournament that's going on. And the wrestling itself is good enough to back up that storytelling. Is it Utami Shuri? No, but it doesn't need to be. This is a five-star Grand Prix match. And we've got to also remember this is back in 2017. Like, you weren't getting the banger after banger after banger like you're getting yeah. in modern-day stardom. It was a little bit more stretched out. The roster wasn't as deep. This was like a quality match for this time period, which just then only enhances what they put forth. It still holds up in 2023, but it meant that little bit more back in 2017 because it was unlocking who Hanukamura was as a wrestler. You saw what she did here, and it's like she's not just a character worker. She does have that ability to go in the ring, and we see that progress through with some of the matches that we will be talking about later today. Yeah, and I, th and I think this match or this this relationship maybe uh if you're looking for something in current day stardom that embodies that story every time they face off i would say it would be mayu and starlight kid absolutely uh, and that's my favorite i mean i watched their match in the five-star grand prix last year at the final night had no rhyme or reason for like had no stakes to it it was done no, they were no, both, both out. were knocked out but they told like just this phenomenal story that night and it, it was a continuation of a story. And it's a lot like this. And I think that's kind of why I love matches like these. Mm. And it's why we wanted to hit this one first, because it really does. It really does tell you who Hanakamura was and was going to become in the coming years. It's one of the best examples of Hanakamura in the Oedo Tai mm. story. Yeah, not just in terms of wrestling, but in terms of character, which, yeah, that was such an important part of our Oedo Tai was the character and interpersonal relationships. And then when the bell rang, they could go. Like, Gietzu and Hana had the experience as tag wrestlers, as champions, so they knew each other inside and out. They'd been training together. So it was the perfect kind of match to highlight everything. Sure. Um, but I, I, you're absolutely right. The closest connection is Kid and Mayu. That's kind of... Their stories progressed to where Hana and Kagetsu would be at about a year later mm. when Hana turned on Oedo Tai and Kagetsu specifically. You get yep. that a little bit with the current Mayu and Starlight Kid, but you still see Mayu serving that Kagetsu role, even though mm. she'll, she will beat Kid and be, happily do so. Ultimately, she wants for that one day when Starlight yep. Kid can finally stand there and earn the victory and finally say, I have succeeded, I have exceeded where you are at. That's that's the ultimate journey for both of them. It's the best thing Stardom does.
in mm. my opinion. It's the best thing that they do. It, it it's not as like you said, it's not as common now. But if you have paid attention to this promotion long enough, you know where those types of stories are. Yeah. Um, with you know Mayu and Starlight Kid, um, with others on the show, obviously Julia and her story, and mm. you know long term stories that don't need to all be told in two months, right? Stories yeah. that the, the more you're willing are, to invest in stardom, yeah. the more you get out of it character wise and story wise. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why we do shows like this and why we write the columns and articles that we do, because we are fortunate enough to have the time and have the yeah. energy and have the uh, psychotic nature to want to invest that deeply. And what we hope we can do is then make that story that is hard to access a little bit easier to understand. Right. You know, through the characters and stuff, break it down in a way where you can be a casual viewer or someone who watches but doesn't have that background to be able to go, ah, oh, I understand now why this has a little bit more impact and a little bit more oomph. Sure. Um, and now we move from that to Hanukkah versus Miki Wada from Sendai Girls. Um, sorry, sorry, is this Sendai Road? Am I confused here? Is this an offshoot, hey, a hey, spin off our, episode? Part of the conversation here is Hanukkah Mora, and we wanted to hit one match mm. outside of Stardom because she did have pretty much an entire career outside of Stardom. She was trained outside of Stardom, um, and this and a is a different gimmick too, which I think completely is completely different gimmick. And this is a year later. This match is a year, not a year later, but like six months, seven months later, um, which is still a lot of time. I don't care what you say, like, especially at that point in her career. You know, you can make a big leap in six months' time, as we've seen with a lot of wrestlers in recent years. Now, this was the first time I watched this match. And I said, ha not even halfway through, I said, ah, she has been able to do the personal, intense fight mm. forever. <laughs> because this was a personal intense fight if you watch hannah and julia you kind of see wait, we hint did. for we what's coming um you kind of see where that comes from mm. in this match and iwata is just so good <laughs> like that was one of my things like watching this match was like i almost can't focus on the hana part because iwata's piercing this poor woman with kicks every kick had intent on it um hana at one time hit a headbutt that was nasty mm. nasty uh it, it was a fight it wasn't a match it was a fight and iwata ended up winning in the end but again you watch this match and you're like and this is in different character as the cheerleader mm -hmm. not the way to type character it's like this this girl is going to be the biggest baby face in wrestling yeah like that's we, the type of takeaway we talked about this in the first uh, hanukkah episode like at the age she's at at this point in time the fact that she was able to jump between this and the oeta character which are completely different when most wrestlers would be struggling to get one gimmick down she's got two down perfectly 
in completely different environments asking completely different things. You see similarities to Sadakigetsu match in the sense of like Hanakamura is sort of fighting from underneath, but the relationship here is completely different. The focus of the match is completely different. And one thing I do really want to highlight here is like this goes for a decent amount of time, so they have time to tell a story in the ring. Mm. Up until maybe the last five minutes, ironically, when Hana decides to throw the headbutt, before then, this is a very simple wrestling match in terms of moves and holds that they were doing. This wasn't a case of, like, wowing people with crazy athleticism and hard-hitting, like, you know, strong-style fights. This was two wrestlers who went out there and told a compelling match, a compelling story, without needing to... Uh, over fluff it with grandiose style this is a very basic match for a lot of it but they execute everything so well in the story behind it this would actually be a match i would encourage a lot of up-and-coming wrestlers to watch Mm. because it can it becomes very easy to see like the top end stuff and think oh i've got to do flips and i've got to do this amazing these kind of moves that no one's ever seen before to get myself over and to make a match good this proves that you don't need to do that. Now, the last five minutes really ramps up the intensity. The head kicks, which you wouldn't necessarily maybe encourage everyone to be doing. The head butts, which I'd encourage nobody to be doing. But up and, like that doesn't detract from the previous, say, 12 minutes of proper good quality wrestling that happened before it. It just enhances it because you're like, now they're kicking the gear. Now they're doing everything they can to win this match. Yeah. I, I was talking to someone about hana uh last week and we were talking about the juliet hana match and it'll come into this as well and it's that i don't think anyone consistently has that intensity in their matches like hana Mm. did like i don't like i i I sat there and really thought about it who has that like level of intensity that that who's that great brawler Mm. today not even just in like stardom but joshi overall and i was like julia has it sometimes but it depends on the opponent yeah depends on the situation suzu kind of has it but she's too flashy yeah <laughs> like yeah. she's a lot flashier than hana ever was it's just such a style that obviously comes from kyoko mm. and was really passed down to hana to perfection because she put her own you know, she put her own level on it, and I think that comes with her own unique charisma, right? They're both obviously charismatic, but she had her own. And watching this match was like, she just had it forever. She just had it forever. Yeah. It didn't matter to the opponent. didn't matter to the story. She just had it. And this match was, and I think you perfectly nailed it. This is the type of match you want to show young wrestlers. Like, this is the match you'd want to show, like, a Hanan right mm. now. Like, hey, you're, you know, big matches. This is this is how you want to build it because yeah. there's a lot of time here, time that a lot of the young wrestlers don't get. But mm. if they were going to get that opportunity, this is kind of how you could follow it. And sometimes just throwing, you know, forearms and kicks back and forth and not, and, you know, doing simple slams and doing submissions, it's the simplest form of wrestling, but it many times can be the best. This, a, a good story in a wrestling match doesn't need flash. It needs substance. Flash can enhance it, absolutely. Um, and you see someone like Suzu, for example, who can execute that as well. But like that's just because of the level she's at in the ring and the confidence of, in her own abilities that she has. 
You don't have to do that to tell the kind of story that you're seeing here. And that's what you should be encouraging the wrestlers. Now, Hana was blessed because even if, like, her wrestling maybe took a little while to become as complete as it did, she had all the hard stuff down pat straight away. This stuff that we're talking about, you don't typically have this down pat in your first year or two in wrestling. It normally takes three or four or five years to become as adept as it as she was at this point in time. And then everything else just follows from that. You can teach someone how to do a pole driver. You can't necessarily teach someone how to express that kind of emotion and intensity in such an authentic way, in such a believable way. And we see it through here. Miko Iwata is a fantastic opponent to bring that out from Hanukamura. But you're right, like you could chuck her in random tag matches and she would still execute this kind of intensity. And you don't, as you said, you don't really see that today. And part of that, like, I don't blame Julia not wanting to go full intensity every single show because that's a lot of shows to show it off on. And her character herself is very sort of fun and laid back a lot of times as well. But Hana just, she, she was able to activate it in that kind of way. And it really does make her stand out in the wrestling scene. It does. It does. And, uh, yeah, I, I I hope a wrestler comes along with this overall package again somewhere down the road, um, and I'm sure they'll have Hanukkah as an inspiration when that time does come. Um, you know, it could always be one of the younger wrestlers around mm-hmm. that you know just haven't figured themselves out yet. Obviously, Rena jumps off the map in that in those terms because she's so- over very good with the character stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll wait and see on that, but uh, let's move over to our third match of the show, which was Hanakamura versus Hazuki from the Five Star Grand Prix 2019. This was the match that she needed to win to get to the finals of the Mm. Five Star Grand Prix, Um, the night of, that is. She had to win the night of, um, and she did. She beat Hazuki. I just talked about personal intensity. (laughs) These two, it, it, maybe Hazuki. That she would does, be the, but she's nice now. Hazuki, yes. Like when she's in Oedo Tai, I would agree with you, but the yeah. current stars version of her, she's a little bit more laid back, a little bit. Her big match is mature. You get it. Yeah. yeah big match, absolutely. But like big match, you get the same with Julia as well. So, yeah. Yeah. She would be the one because her, her moveset isn't flashy. I think yeah. it's like. Why now, now she stopped trying to do the shooting star press? Yeah, yeah. I think Hazuki would. <laughs> I actually would probably pick Hazuki over Julia just because, like, she has the same like speed going to mm. like it's just it's just all out, like, it's just something different. But you saw it here, you saw it in this match. Uh, obviously, Hazuki's time in a way to tie back then was you know some of the best work of her career, uh, but this was also. Hana at the top of her game, as we talked about last year. Uh, last year, last last episode in full. We talked detail. about it last year as well. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Uh, but as we talked about last episode in full detail, talking about her five star Grand Prix, this was the match we were going to come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you were looking through this tournament, I think her match with it's either Mai or Momo maybe might maybe might be like the better wrestling match. But these two have the history to build mm-hmm. off of, and they have the the fact that you know with the win, one of them could be going to the finals. That that helps a lot. Um, yeah, and it's just sensational. And it's in Cork and Hall. They never slow down. It's much like the match we see. You know, one 
was it two months later again mm-hmm. with Julia, but this has a different feel to it because of the Oedo tie ties and you know their relationship as we know in detail at this point. Yeah, well, the beautiful thing about this is it does it executes the best of both sides. Yeah, you, know, you get the best of Hazuki here because Hana can kind of rebound off of that and give it straight back. And both wrestlers really thrive against someone who is willing to dish it out and take it. Yeah, you know, it's not a case of, oh, I can hit you, but you know, be careful with me. Like, yeah, you know, if I hit you, I want you to hit me twice as hard. And they kind of bounced off of that. You got the classic Oedo tie tactics, it went straight from the start of the bell. Of the four matches we're looking, this is kind of maybe the best wrestling version of Hanukkah um, because, like, everything else is kind of show- showcasing different things. But if you just want to get an idea of how good Hana could be bell to bell completely, you know, showing off the aggressive side, showing off the technical ability, because it's around this time that Hanukkah was really making that leap from being a good wrestler who could tell great stories to being a great wrestler who could tell great stories. The five-star Grand Prix was integral for that. She got the chance to really showcase it. And this was one of the matches that I think people stepped up. and Because everyone knew Hanukkah was getting pushed. Whether they thought she was winning the five-star Grand Prix or not, whether they thought it was going to come at the end of the year or next year or the year after that, you knew, okay, Hanukkah is one of their main players. She's going to be a big deal. You had confidence after this tournament, especially a match like this, because it's like, I can trust that, you know, put her in the big positions, she's going to deliver. What a hell of a night, uh, final mm-hmm. night for the tournament, by the way. If you just look at it, um, I think you know, when I when I look at this match, and I think I watched this not fully knowing like Hazuki, well, outside of them being in a way of tie, and obviously Hana moving on, their actual history, like personally, mm-hmm. once you learn that, the match just takes on a, a a whole different meaning almost because and, and adding the part that Hazuki's out the door very soon. Um, and it's just, it, it's a chance for them to go out there and put on a show to the most intense possible way. And you, so you, so this is one I didn't rewatch recently because I want, I've watched it a few times. Um, but if you were to look at this match, and you know, kind of compared to the three we've talked about, what 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 separates it to make it different? I think it's because you're getting that complete package with her. Yeah, sure. you're seeing a lot, like you're getting the aggressiveness, um, but you're also getting more showcasing of the technical side. You're seeing her venture out with some of the moves a bit more, like the finishing sequence. I believe she debuted it in this match, didn't she? The Tiger Lily and the Pile Driver. That was yeah. debuted on this match. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If not, it was if not if not this match, it was in the tournament. I know that. Yeah, match, it was definitely. I'm in the pretty tournament. sure it was this match that kind of she debuted it because and the crowd kind of like oh like they know you know kind of the example of, you've still got the hydrangea submission which is a fantastic submission, but seeing this is kind of that impact yeah. finishing combination to really sell it home. Um, it, it, it shows the, the progression because uh, the Oedo tie Hanukkah we see, um, the match against Mika Iwata, she's still at kind of that more basic level of wrestling. You know, sure. What she's doing in the ring is a little bit more grounded. Yeah. The Julia match we're going to cover is just a, a fight. 
it's not a wrestling match, it's a fight. You, you could have put that in any pub in England and you, it wouldn't feel out of place. This match is the, the melding of all those styles and a little yeah. bit more. You get the fight, you get the, you know, basics done perfectly and then you're getting this ex- exploration and this next step forward as a professional wrestler inside the ring. Yeah, and, and it was part of obviously the biggest night of her career ultimately right mm. you know going on to win the five star against konami in the main event uh but let's get to that match that we've been kind of hinting at the entire show that of course was hanukkah versus julia i think this match has gotten a better appreciation for it since after hana passed i think more people have appreciated more and maybe maybe that also has to do with kind of julia growing too because there's a lot to pack in for this match obviously this is right when julia walked in the door she didn't have a lot of fans (laughs) a lot of people were not happy with her obviously because of the way she came into stardom and she had to try to make herself fit in and she picked Hanakamura as that first rival. And I say to this day, without this match, Julia is never to the level of a wrestler she is now. Like, this is the match that said, okay, Julia can do all of this. She can go on to be great in stardom because this felt like her true welcoming. Welcoming to the company and it's because of Hanukkah and it's because of the intensity that they shared against one another. It's Julia's first great match in stardom. Obviously she's gone on to have countless great matches since then, but it's also that signature match that people think of when it comes to Hanukkah It's the match that leads to so many moments, obviously after her passing that we remember because of how much that meant to Julia. Mm. And I don't even talk about the match. Like I'm not even talking about the actual in in the match. But when you get into the match, it is 15 minutes, like you said, of a fight. Capital F I G H T. Yeah, fight. It's. I think there's probably two or three reasons why it's looked looked upon a little bit better now. The the first and most obvious elephant in the room is there was a lot of Julia backlash around this time, yeah. both for her coming in from Ice Ribbon the way she did, and people kind of looking at her as just coming in and usurping a lot of fan favourites, which that issue would take a couple of years, if we're being honest, for people to sort of subside from. Um and that's that was still very prevalent at this point in time. So people kind of look out a little bit like, hmm. Um, the second is because, like, this period for stardom was just so hot. And, like, yeah. the main event of this match was Mo Watani versus Kagetsu in arguably the best match that they've put on against each other. And then you had Arisa Hoshiki versus Konami. Like, this period was just crazy hot. And the third reason, I think maybe the most important looking at this match in terms of stardom's history as a whole is this was ahead of its time. Yeah. You put this match in at 2023, and it feels like we, we basically got that with Julia versus Maya Hiki. Uh, yeah, that, that's a very similar match that's in true. sort of context and terminology. But at this point, at the end of 2019, we didn't get a lot of this kind of match. Like, you would get the, you know, going into the crowd, the Oedotai stuff, yeah. slamming people into, you know, pillar to post kind of thing. But it was always kind of done with kind of like a, a roguish, devilish fun 
there's nothing fun about what they're doing here. Julia's come in and wants to hurt Hana Kimura. Hana Kimura is looking at this upstart coming in and wants to put her in her place. They're not smiling. They're not laughing. Oh. They're not playing to the crowd. It's just like, bitch, I'm going to end you. And for 15 <laughs> minutes, they do their damnedest to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, when I, I, so it's funny because I, I told, so the first time I ever watched this match, I walked away from absolutely blown away. And that, uh, it might have been right around the time she passed. Um, and I remember telling, so so I had, I, I've told the story, but I had someone give me a whole list of matches and this wasn't on there. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to watch it because I like, I liked Julia very quickly. Mm. I did like this was, and I, and I started, I saw Julia before, like right around the time for the first time she won the wonder, but before I watched her matches before that, I didn't watch mm. her wonder stuff, but I liked Julia instantly. I was like, okay, she's got something to her. And a lot of it was because of this match. And I said to, I said to the person, I was like, why was this match on the list? And they're like, it was fine. And I was like, go back and watch it. And they walked away saying, oh, my God, that was fantastic. What the hell? And I think there's just, and I think you're absolutely right. It was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It it really does channel old school Joshi, which is funny because it, it's ahead of its time, but it's also yeah. a flashback. And it's what we see with Julia a lot in her big title matches is flashbacks while bringing it forward and, you know, mm. making it modern. Um and when I watch this match, I watch it with a big freaking smile on my face because it's like they had a mission. These two had a mission, and it was to destroy the other, like you said. And they just, they just never stopped. Mm. There was no minute. There was like no second where you just like sat there and like, all right, let's let's get going. You wouldn't even think. Maybe you wouldn't even think it was going to a fifteen minute draw. If you watched it fresh, had no idea what the result was um they just never gave you a flash of this is going to a draw uh you know we when we talked about tam and mina when that match kicked off we're like this is going kind of pretty hard for a 30 minute <laughs> draw obviously they ended up having a 30 minute draw but that's what this match was like they just mm. went hard for 15 minutes and made you remember and 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 really and obviously things have changed but this was going to be the feud for star yeah, it really was. Yeah, it's um, uh, we always it, you can't help but look at it with a uh, ping of disappointment that we didn't get to see the story unfold. But we got this match at least, and this match encompasses so much of what we were looking for and what we kind of needed. The only thing I would say for this, and like especially early Stardom Julia, I look at why doesn't she do the Stealth Viper more often? Like oh that is God. such a beautiful finishing move. Yeah, she just like, brings it up for the five star. Yeah, I, I, I love it's one of the most interesting and unique kind of looking submissions that looks brilliant. Uh it looks painful, but it just looks really interesting as well. And when she locked it on here, like I knew the I knew it was a draw and I knew they kind of saved by the bell situation, this situation. Uh, but it's just such a great looking move that like you see her locking in and it's like, oh no. And this is after like both of them have hit big moves. You know, Hunter's locked the hydrangea in on her before. Julia's hit Glorious Driver one, I think it was. Um, and then when she locks this in, you, you hear the bell going. It's kind of like a, oh, okay, yeah. I'm glad for everyone's sake that the match has stopped because it's such a good looking submission move. Uh, when I, it, I just think like 
the crowd was sensational too. Like obviously, and maybe that's just like what made the match feel so energetic. They did it yeah. too back because them that brought the crowd up, but the crowd was just so red hot that night. It is one of the greatest events in Starman history for a reason. Mm. And it's because of the th- final handful of matches. This was able to outshine, at least for me, a a recent Shiki title defense yeah. against a very capable challenger in Konami. And that match is really good. Mm. But it just isn't this. Now, Kagetsu yeah. Mayu, that's a different question. That's a different conversation. It's a different match, though. Yeah, very different. And that's what keeps this separated from everything else, especially during that time. And and that was the beauty of this time period with the wrestling was you started getting matches like this. It changes up the formula a bit. Risa versus Konami, uh, this match, Maya versus uh, Kagetsu, three different match types. And look, it definitely helps that the crowd just buy into it. But this is around the period where, like, honestly, this is the hottest the crowd's ever been in terms of just noise and vocal support obviously they're getting more people now on average than they used to during this period but this is right when bushi road really amped up the marketing and the payoff was so immediate both from just a pure number standpoint but like an audible standpoint it made like this stretch of matches uh shows at kurok and hall the december show here then january and then february they feel just so special because the crowd are literally like there's no space there. They're taking up every single seat, every single standing space. The second floor is just chockers. I'm sure there's people up there who cannot see anything because it's not designed to have a lot of people up there. But they're just so many people wanted to be a part of stardom around this time and get in on arguably the ground floor of the next generation of Joshi wrestling. And, you know, despite the hiccup and the speed bump that was COVID, we've got it. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just say this, my last thing about this match is uh, this was going to be your all-star dream Cinderella main event. It was probably going to be your all-star grand queendom main event. <laughs> like that That's how much I really do believe in what these two are going to go on to do. Because while Tam Nakano may be your most popular wrestler now, I don't mm-hmm. even know if she's in that spot. If things happen differently obviously um, the door opened for her it did it did it the door opened for her and julia of course they both lost their rivals and that just changed everything um you know tam lost Teresa, and julia lost hannah and they ended up becoming their each other's greatest rivals and i think that's it's it's always so interesting just how history changed because of that but uh, if you haven't watched this match, it's free on YouTube. You can check that out it's on the Stardom. It's very easy to find on Stardom YouTube channel. I believe it's like the is it the first episode of the We Are Stardom? the We Are Stardom series? Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, that opened with that. Yeah, um, you can also check it out at Stardom World, of course. That, but but the beauty is like normally we're recommending matches that are either on Stardom World or you kind of have to search the black market and talk yeah. to dodgy people in the alleyways <laughs> just to get this yeah. match. You, you don't have to be paying startup money. You just have to have an internet connection and the ability to go on YouTube. Yeah, if you're if you're looking for all the matches that we talked about, uh, you can get the Kagetsu match on Stardom World. The Iwata match was on YouTube, so you just got to Google search and you'll find it. I think it's called, like, 
match of the year this like match in the year in the title i don't remember how i found it but i did i think reddit was it's, it's unlisted so it's not the easiest one to find yeah it's somewhere on reddit you can help find or ask one of us we'll be happy to send it to you uh you can and then you can check out the final two matches on stardom world or of course go check out julia and hana on we'll, we'll give you the iwata match but you have to promise to rate this podcast five stars on whatever podcast app you're using trust me the match is worth it uh that being said we'll move on here we'll talk a little bit about the latest hana kimura memorial show pinks that happened last week uh trent so trent wasn't able to watch it yet uh you know it's a it, and and this is the thing i think everyone need has to know by now you got to be in the right frame of mind to watch these shows um especially if you're not gonna watch it live right i think yeah, i was literally in the air when this match was happening so uh i, I couldn't watch it the, the wi-fi on jetstar airways is well, it's non-existent, so <laughs> I wasn't able to watch this bad boy live. And yeah, I haven't been able to watch it yet. I, I apologize because like I, I don't like to come into these things ill-informed and ill-researched. But the reality is, I'm not just going to chuck this on and casually watch. You know, kind of have to prepare. Even though, yeah, it's not the same as the first year, which will just kick your ass from bell to bell in terms of raw emotion. Ugh. But it's still, yeah, I, I can't just jump into a Hanukkah memorial show just willy-nilly. Yeah. I've got to mentally prepare myself. I've got to make sure I have boxes of tissues ready, maybe some comfort ice cream or chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. As as uh as I read a few times, you you you'll be you'll be having a great time watch it you know I, the main event was uh Mio Momono and Iwata versus Isaac Kong and Suri you'll be watching Isaac Kong dropping Iwata on her head and be like yeah this is great this is great and then remember me will come on from Coco and you're like <laughs> why why did you do it to me and that's exactly what happened uh but let's talk about it here um it was another great show produced by the one and only Kiyoko Kimura, once again, Booker of the Year, congratulations. Um, she really, she just really does do a great job with these shows. Um, and they always feel special and they always have something unique to them just as a wrestling show, let alone, you know, the specialty. Obviously, if you tried to watch this on Fight Live, that was an absolute nightmare. Uh, but uh, I, trust me, go back and watch Sari and Miyuki Takase. It's worth your time. Uh, they had a very nice opener. Um, they also had a battle royal, as they always do. Nothing to jump for joy there. I don't even think I ended up going back and watching it. You had Minoru Suzuki and Sakura Hirota dressed as Hanakamura facing off. That was an absolute blast. Was it Minoru Suzuki dressed as Hanakamura as well? No. <laughs> no, Minoru Suzuki was dressed as Minoru Suzuki. There was this great, there was this great point where Hirota gets up to the top rope. And she's gonna do the Hanukkah drop kick, but Suzuki's fighting with the referee, and she's terrified, and she's like trying not to fall while she waits. And it was just, it was just pure entertainment. Um, Suzuki was a great choice, obviously. She also tapped out when he went for the Gotch pile driver. <laughs> <laughs> so again, when you watch these shows, you can have a great time, and I think that's kind of where we're going with them. Obviously, the video montage at the end is going to destroy you every single time um this time was very sweet though and i'll talk about that at the end because they were able to feature uh some pretty uh we had a different wrestler this time around 
um, to close it out. Uh, we had a fun little tag that I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> it was it was fine. Uh, Asuka, Natsupoi Shuri versus Death Yamasan, Konami, and Rina. So the best part about this match is that before the show even started, Kyoko Kamara goes, Kyori Onoyama won't be able to compete in the match. And I go, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, is she retiring again? Oh, jeez. Um, but as soon as as soon as the match starts, you're like, oh, and there she is. Um, Rena, I think the 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 point I want to say with this, in a match full of top level main event stars, obviously only I was older now, but you know, she was. She can still go. Rena didn't miss a beat. She absolutely belonged in there with all of them. She did a great job. And then, I will say, if there's anything that gets me emotional still in terms of the wrestling, it's going to be Rena showing up every single time. Uh, but she was happy to be there. She had her title with her. It was very cool. It was very special. Um, Asuka is just, like, sensational. And I think everyone knows that by now. But seeing her with Natsupo and Shuri, I was just sitting there. I was like, what? What if we're just incredible star power? And I love that Shuri's able to. And I know Shuri's been on the show. She may have entered last year with Oscar, but I just love that she's able to be on these shows. Yeah. Because she is debatably the biggest star in Joshi and has been for the past couple of years. And she's on these shows. And I think that's. If Stardom cool. really wanted to pull rank, Shuri's probably the person they would pull rank on because of how big a deal she is in stardom. Like, especially last year when she was the World of Stardom champion. Yeah. Yeah, not that, you know, stardom have definitely opened their doors a lot more in terms of working with other promotions and even going as far as to send them elsewhere. Um, but you can understand them sending Arena and stuff like that, but Shuri's a bit of a different beast. Um, so it's very much appreciated that them, and that's the point for that matter too, are still getting the chances to express their connection to Hana in this way. Yeah, so this was really good. Go out of your way to see it. Can't stress that enough. It's absolutely worth your time. Um, and then it was time for the main event, and the main event was fantastic, legitimate, like one of the best tag team matches I've seen this year. Um, it was Aja Kong and Suri defeating Miki Wada and Mio Momono. Mio Momono. Hit the German suplex on Ashikon. <laughs> how 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 else do I need to sell you on this match? Uh this it was just so much fun. This was probably the best Ashikon's looked in a very long time, too. You know, and I, I I'm not gonna I don't want to repeat what Ashikon said because it destroyed me when I read it, but I have to because that's why we're talking about it. Um let me let me get that up. But this is like this continues the greatness of main events for these shows like every single main event for this show one way or the other is great um which shouldn't come as a shock but it, it was just it was just the best and i think that's kind of the way i walk away a lot of the time from these shows so after the match after asha and three win by the way Saria miyamono needs to happen uh if it hasn't happened by the time you listen to this show someone wrong um, so Aja Kong says after, and there's no subtitles, so 
I'm not really spoiling anything for people if they haven't heard this. This is me helping you. So when you hear it, you can cry. Uh, it's raining today. Those are probably Hannah's tears looking up. Hey, Hannah, you aren't supposed to be crying today. And I read that. I go. <laughs> and that was it. That was it from there. Because then we went right into Remember Me. I was like, all right. That's it for me. Uh, fun, fun, fun talk. Thanks, Asha. Um, and then they go into the Remember Me montage. And everyone says pinks. Um, and it closed out with obviously Kyoko Kimura, but the final guest appearance was none other than Mercedes Monet. So that was very cool. Uh, I think, I think if the, if everything were to go right, Mercedes Monet is on next year's show. I don't know. I just feel like she'd really want to, and she hasn't wrestled cork yet. I hope she gets to, because it seems like something she would happily do. She don't, mm. she donated her. Hanukkah costume to them that was there on display um, that she had worn at Battle of the Valley, so that was very cool as well. Um, it was the final, the final three non Kyokos. It went actually, it went Will Osprey, Io Shirai, Kyrie, Mercedes Monet. I was like, <laughs> I mean, there you go. That mm. that tells you all you need to know. But wonderful show. Go watch it it's on Fight TV. You can buy it and you'll have it forever. Uh, they did fix it <laughs> after the fact, so you can go and watch it in full and not have any worries about skipping. You're getting your value for money in that situation because Absolutely. you'd hate to buy something and it not be right. And obviously for the live show, that's disappointing, but at least they went back and made sure that the archives are maintained. Yeah. Uh, but now let's close out this show with talking about the legacy of Hanukkah and what we see as her legacy. Obviously, we did this in our other series. We talked about the legacy of Arisa Shiki. Mm-hmm. Um, did we do it for Hameka? I think we did. I think we I'm touched sure we on it, but it is a different situation. Ah, the circumstances yeah. and... Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, we're, I promise we're going to do a series about a wrestler that, you know, they don't have to retire. The, the problem is this kind of thing works no best for people who have exists. retired because, like... We could do one on Tam Nakano and then find, oh, yeah, we've got to do another three. The episodes. Tam road never ends, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, look, obviously, we've picked a couple of roughies to start with in terms of the emotions. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we'll be doing one on Kagetsu. Um, and that will be Seven. a bit happier because that was a complete career. Seven parts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> don't even want to dream of the three of them. Uh, that's good. Those are going to be the longest parts, and I don't even want to think about them retiring either. So, we're not going to do it anytime soon, but we will talk about the three. Um, so Trent, I'll ask you what what it to you is Hanakamura's legacy as we close out this series and you know move forward celebrating her life year in and year out. I, I think the, the best way to sort of bring it up is the fact that we're here three years later talking about a wrestler who wrestled for, what, four or five years, um, who never won a major title, who only wrestled outside of Japan a couple of times and had a very short excursion in Mexico that basically no one saw unless you were in Mexico. The <laughs> fact that, you know, considering the, the time frame of her career and where it sort of reached, we're here three years later talking about her with such reverence, with such importance. And it's not just us. It's not just like there's a couple of people who were fanboys of her. You know, we're creating this because, A, we want to talk about it, but, B, there's a demand to hear about it because there are that many people who 
either went through her career like we did and know how special she was, how important she was, or people who are just discovering her and hearing what she was about and the kind of impact she had and wanting to learn more. It's one thing if you're talking about a, a wrestler who has a 20-plus year career who wrestled all around the world, won world championships around the world. That's kind of, you'd expect this kind of reverence, but for someone to have the time that she had, it speaks to how, A, how special she was, B, the potential that was there and wasn't realised, and C, the kind of person she was. And of everything we talk about, that's the most important thing, what kind of person she was. You wouldn't be getting these kind of memorial shows if she wasn't such the, a lovable kindred spirit for so many people who impacted so many people's lives. You just wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get wrestlers from around the scene making the effort to come to these shows. You wouldn't have fans going out of their way to watch these kind of events and remember her if she wasn't such a special person. Hannah has touched so many people's lives just by being her. And, you know, every year when it comes to the anniversary of her passing, as painful as it can be to talk about it, I want to talk about it, being in podcasts, being in written articles, because as painful as the memory of her death is, the joy that I get remembering who she was as a person, as a wrestler, as a performer, is that much greater. And it's that much important to keep that spirit alive because everyone is different. Everyone is special. I wish I went first because I'm not sure I could follow that. Um, but perfectly said, obviously. Um, and I think it's 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 exactly how you know I kind of think of it. You know, the fact we're sitting here talking about her, and and we'll all be sitting here talking about her next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. It's very, um, it it's very telling of who she was and who she forever will be. I I wrote an article within the past two weeks that I expect to write. Um, I, I literally said on the last episode, I don't write. I'm not, this is it. This is it. This is all I'm doing for how to come more content. And wow. that changed. That changed because I was just, I was just doing some research. Maybe it was for this show. I think I was editing an article too. And it was about Hana. And I was just looking for a photo. I was doing simple, looking for a photo to make the cover photo. And the reality is, when you look up Hanakamura, the beauty of who Hanakamura was isn't what you get to see instantly when you Google her name. It's sadly that final day. That is what you see. And I was, I was sad. I was angry i was all up in my feelings and i said i said to myself when and ultimately was probably the worst i felt talking or thinking or anything since maybe matinee mm -hmm. truthfully i was just upset i was upset it was 3 a.m and i just wrote and I wrote, and I wrote, and, and, and the fact is that the more I thought about it, and the reason I wrote and wrote and wrote is because she is everything someone should want to be in their life. They, you should want to include other people no matter what. Look at them, 
Look at everyone the same. Give everyone a chance. Be happy. Be light up the room anytime you walk into it. Be, you know, not on purpose, be the center of attention, just but but just be such a bright light that you are. Um, she was the very best of us all, and still mm. is to this day. Um and while her legacy will unfortunately be her final day. We, I think, collectively will all make sure that that's not the legacy that the Joshi world, the wrestling world, remembers remembers her as. Uh, this that's why these Hana Kimura memorial shows are so important mm-hmm. on a yearly basis. It's why this podcast to me is so important on a yearly basis. I've done a podcast of some form yearly since her passing the first two years we're talking to her fans and just thinking of thinking of the bright fun moments you know i told the story about how at that new york show she was you know in line talking to everyone giving everyone the time speaking english and then when everyone was getting ready to leave she was working the she was working and you know hey you know come over here you know and she obviously benefits get money from that but she's giving the time to everyone Mm. She's willing to make you feel included and give you a moment of her time because she wants to know you. And I think that's something that really defines who she was more than what she did in a wrestling ring, what she, what her final day was. That's who she was at the very core. And that's what we should always remember. Her legacy is kindness. Her legacy is, is brightness, friendliness, um, that 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 special saying everyone's different everyone's special that is a motto she lived by and i think we should all do our best to live by such a thing you know in a, in a world that we live in today where i feel like so many people disagree more than they agree a lot of the time you look at someone like hanukkah and i think you can learn a lot mm from the way she lived and that's to me her legacy her legacy is the light that will live on she is going to be someone that makes an impact years after we're gone and that's the beauty of who she was Mm. 22 years on this earth but she and her legacy will go far beyond that and i think that's very important um so to me her legacy is all that and so much more and i hope uh i hope everyone that listened to this i hope everyone that watches the memorial shows i hope everyone that loves who she was watches her matches watches her promos just sees a photo online you know sees you know scrolls up and down twitter and sees her in her badass gear one way or the other whether it's a way to tie or or tokyo cyber squad or maybe it's the cheerleader mm-hmm. um you, you see her and you smile because that's what she would want you to do and i think Mm -hmm. that's very important obviously it's been hard you know we're recording this three years later it's never going to be easier Mm -hmm. and i think everyone also needs to know that you're allowed to grieve as long as you need to i think that's something that can be forgotten a lot too uh but just just remember that her brightness her friendliness who she was is why the wrestling world and the world itself is a better place because Hanukkah yeah. Kamara lived on it. So uh, 
guess uh gotta wrap the show up now <laughs> it's not the easiest situation to wrap up no up. no i i uh um, thankfully i was able to write all those words down when i was oh, that was like, smart i should have done that no not not this oh right <laughs> i meant the, ar the article i wrote of course thankfully yeah. i did that first because i was a sobbing mess <laughs> when i did that i was gone like i i had, i didn't write any words down for this this was this was just kind of taking a little bit of that um it was i literally titled hanakumar is the very best of us all or something like that yeah is specifically not was is because no. she forever is and uh it'll never get easier um but i will say that our next episode will be looking at to bring up the mood a little bit, uh, it will be looking at the double champion, the first double champion, Mayu Iwatani. Not only double champion. Not anymore. No. We will look at Mayu Iwatani and what she accomplished as world and wonder of Storm champion as the first ever. We'll look mm -hmm. at that match with Io Shirai and her winning the title, obviously. And the reign that followed. Um, of course, with Tam Nakano now as the second ever and reigning as we go on. So make sure to check that out when we come back. And then after that, who knows? We'll we'll see when we get there. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Trent, do you have anything to plug before we go home? Um, well, I guess, like, I'm going to plug the upcoming Ocean Cyclone show episode that you and myself, you being you, Scott, not you, the fans, uh, maybe maybe the fans were there as well, stalking us. But Scott, myself, and Ryan recorded that's coming out this week. Um, and it was an incredibly fun episode to do. Um, very chaotic, but that's what the Ocean Cyclone show is all about. Um, I'd also like to plug, um, just speaking on Hana Kimura, you, you did mention it, Scott, but specifically Scott's podcast series from last year where you talked to all of the fans and stuff like if you want a complete kind of understanding of Hana Kimura, obviously we've tried to do our best here as just two people, but there's a lot that you can take from that podcast, that like four hours or something. Obviously, it's a big one. Um, commit yourself to maybe break it up a bit. But so many people gave their honest thoughts and impressions and feelings towards Hana. And I would definitely encourage anyone to go and find that because... That's a very special piece. Um, Scott put a lot of effort into that, and I definitely think he deserves that sort of getting another up through and uh, listen to. So please go check that out if you have the time. Yes, thank you. Uh, that That is on, it's for free, on the Fight Game Media Network Patreon if you want to go find that. Uh, it is for free. You just got to type in Hanukkah uh, you might get the uh, Pink's episode and the Memorial Show from last year, Bogus review shows, but that is up for free on there. I think I'm going to try to get it up to YouTube soon so that people can find it a little bit easier. But, uh, thank you. <laughs> or so just much. bug Scott for the link. Yeah, that too. I I have it. I have it. On, I took a while to find it the other day, but I have it. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to check out the article that I wrote about Anakamura, that's on WrestlePurist.com. I uh, don't know if they have any other articles about Hanukkah more, so you could probably just find it pretty quickly. Um, 
I also don't do commentary for stardom. And otherwise, <laughs> we'll we'll get on out of here. Uh, hey, hey, no, hey, 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 maybe maybe when people are listening to this, you are on the commentary booth. Maybe they're doing English commentary every week, and that'd be uh, pretty cool. Scotty, listen, is, uh, listen, pay me the, five bucks per show, and I will do every single show. I'm gonna eat. You don't have to pay me. Just uh, pay for my boarding room uh, <laughs> and flights. Let just get that one. Well, that's out true. Too. That's true. That's true. If you want to find me in once in a month, that's fine too. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening. I hope uh, I hope this three part series gave you a chance to celebrate Hana mm. Kimura. Um, uh, you know, we 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 try our best to keep it all positive, um, but it's hard sometimes because you just get sad. Think of what if or what could have been. Uh, but we do know that what she accomplished. Go watch those four matches. You're gonna see. Yeah. You're gonna see every bit of why she was so special. Um, and yeah, there's many other matches to watch too. There's an entire catalog in Star World. Even like the most random match. Just go under there, click a match that has Hana in it. You'll have a great time. Yeah. Um, if if it's an Oedo tie multi-person tag match or Tokyo Cyber Squad multi-person tag match, it's gonna be good fun. Um, yeah. Especially check out. I know we didn't talk about it. Just mm. for the pure chaos and fun of it all one of the golden week shows it was oeno tai i think versus tokyo cyber squad in a wasn't a ladder match but they're hanging something from the 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 ceiling kind of thing and it was almost looked like an ultimate x match and they had to retrieve it that was so much fun go find that one just go watch like all the tcs stuff if Mm. you want to if you want to have a smile on your face uh but thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next time So until then, see ya. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan 19, Scotty Edwards, that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network. This has been a Count Out Podcast.